Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from the letter of Paul to the Philippians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 12, from the message transliteration. What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you, God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second-guessing allowed. Go out into the world, uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be the living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. Glory to you, O Lord. It can be found on page 6 of the New Testament section of the Church Bible. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated and shall we pray together. Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the words of my heart bring your wisdom. That your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning to awaken our hearts, expand our minds, and shape our identity in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, in the Church of England calendar, is the Sunday that we would devote to what we would call Plough Sunday. Hence, the plough this morning. It was, if you like, the day in former times, and in some places still current times, when a plough would be brought into the church building and the community would gather together, dedicating their ploughing to God, seeking for God's help and God's blessing upon their work, which was absolutely vital to their existence. For some of us, we may look at it today well, maybe in rather sentimental terms, as rather quaint. If you like, a bygone relic. For others, we may look at it as maybe a bit outdated, questioning its relevancy for life today. Some of us may, may question its very purpose. After all, it's, well, it's not in the Bible. But actually, more and more as I've thought about Klaus Sunday, I've actually realized that it's a very subversive act in itself. Because what that Sunday sought to do with other Sundays was it taught people something. It taught people something of their dependence upon God. 
You see, when we think about it, we live in a world that tries at best to marginalize God, at worst, airbrush God completely out of the major Christian festivals. So Christmas becomes snowmas. We talk about season's greetings. Easter becomes more about chocolate and bunnies, Pentecost and Whitson. Is that a Christian festival? And what Plow Sunday was, along with other Sundays, was it brought the people of God and other people to know more about their dependence on God, to what it meant to exercise faith and stay true to the rhythm of the biblical calendar and what the people of God would have done in the past to remind them of God's faithfulness in a previous generation and what that meant for them today. So what might Plough Sunday and all that it represented, if we were to reimagine it in today's world, particularly today's world at this time, what might it represent? You see, let's think about it first in terms of what a plough does. You see, what a plough does, whether it was pulled by an animal, whether it was by hand, whether it's now by a machine, was it created this, this long rut, didn't it, or trench in the ground to which seeds could be planted, to which crops might grow. It could also be used, if you like, just that rut or that trench, just to water the soil or to water the crops. And of course, the word that we give to that, if you like, rut or trench, is a furrow, isn't it? But many of us know the word furrow also has a second meaning, doesn't it? It's a sign of aging. You look in the mirror, and all of a sudden, you notice that brow line that's appeared on your forehead, or that wrinkle on your face. And maybe over these past couple of years, maybe even this past month, those brow lines or those wrinkles may have just got a little deeper. And we're suddenly realizing that the L'Oreal or the Estee Lauder isn't working as well. You see, the message we keep getting being told, isn't it, is we've got to live with COVID. Yet the only difficulty with saying those statements is this, the, the horizon of COVID keeps expanding, doesn't it? So we get told we've got to live with COVID. But let's just take what's happened in the past month. All of a sudden in the run-up to Christmas and numbers keep rising and tension, apprehension fills the air. We don't want to ruin our Christmas. And all of a sudden, worry take care of her, even fear. It starts to determine our thinking. It starts to direct our actions. Of course, we try to put it down to sensible behavior. But is it? Or we keep hearing that we've got to live with COVID. 
And so we've all been, or most of us have been, double vaccinated. We've had our boosters. We're, we're socializing. And then, all of a sudden, one or two of our really good friends catch COVID at a place we've been. And suddenly, there's a tension. There's an uncertainty in the air. And we wonder, what are we supposed to do? This isn't meant to happen, is it? Thought it was going away. And all of a sudden, we, we notice it in people's eyes. We hear it in their voices. We observe it in their actions. We're supposed to live with COVID. And for, for some of us, the thought of that, basically, maybe it might be someone you know. Live with COVID. And all they've done is they've just become increasingly more and more a prisoner in their own home. A prisoner of apprehension, uncertainty, and fear. And I get it. Because the potential of this virus to increase our levels of self-absorption is off the bar. But Jesus said these words. And perhaps it's in these times that we need to hear them more. Do not worry. In fact, he said it more than once, didn't he? He said, do not worry in life. Do not worry about tomorrow and what may happen. Why? Because each one of us matter to God. We're special to him. He cares for us. He loves us. We're important to him. And what Jesus was saying in effect through those words was he was saying, instead of worrying, instead of growing those furrow marks, plow a different furrow. Exercise faith and dependency upon God. You see, just as furrow is a noun, it's also a verb, isn't it? And it can very easily kind of define our behavior. And so are we going to plow those furrows of worry? Or are we going to plow a different furrow? Create paths of life and growth which this plow was built to do. You see, how might we do that? Well, a hundred years ago, if you like during the last major pandemic, there was a vicar in a church in Brixton. It was just an ordinary church in Brixton, nothing special about it. You won't have heard of this church. In fact, you probably won't have heard of this vicar. He was called Leslie Mannering. And he was deeply concerned about the spiritual needs of his congregation as they were going through this pandemic that they were at that time. And he was thinking about this whole idea, if you like, we could use the words, how they could exercise faith, how they could plow a different furrow in this time when there was so much worry and uncertainty going around. And his desire was, if you like, to see that church live out the words that St. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi that we heard read this morning. I chose deliberately the message transliteration of those words because I think it's rather powerful. Be energetic 
in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God himself, willing and working at work, will give him the most pleasure. Do everything readily and cheerfully, no bickering, no second-guessing allowed. Go out into the world, uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. And Reverend Leslie Mannering had four thoughts, if you like, Four thoughts for what his congregation could actually do. They're very simple ideas. You could remember them. Because Christianity was never meant to be complex. They're actually very subversive thoughts, I find, never mind in the world, actually in the church today. And three of those thoughts were these. That if he could get every church member to pray and intercede daily. If he could get every church member to, to read their Bibles, even if it was just one or two verses every day, he wrote then that the consequences of not doing that would be disastrous. And if he could get every church member to commit to weekly church worship and fellowship, nothing complicated about these. And you may wonder, well, well what was the impact What was the impact of that vicar a hundred years ago at the same stage in a pandemic? What was the impact upon that church community? The impact was actually a movement was born. You see, many of you over this past month bought this book. It's the most popular book I've sold here. Nearly 50 copies, I think, have, 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 have actually gone. The Bible Reading Fellowship's book of 365 Bible Reflections. It celebrates the 100th anniversary of the Bible Reading Fellowship, which began from that church in Brixton and that vicar's idea 100 years ago. See, I wonder what might happen if we ploughed a different furrow and did something very subversive. Let me tell you how this is very subversive. Just doing those three things for every church member is a very subversive act within the church today. Never mind outside the church. Believe you me. But I said he had four thoughts and I only mentioned three. What was the fourth thought? And for that we need to go back to the, to the plough. And kind of what the plough represented for the farmer. And if you like, what the plough represented to the farmer was it was what we might use today in 21st century language was it was his front line. It was his place where he might have interacted most with the community. As they saw him in the field, some of those who wouldn't know Jesus, it might have been when he was working with people who might have worked for him the farm labourers. And it gave him an opportunity to speak about his dependence upon God. And that got me thinking. You see, all of us have a front line. It's not necessarily, we might not work anymore. It's not necessarily our work life. Our front line might be our home. 
It might be our leisure activities. It's the place where you will interact most with people who don't know Jesus. And where it gives you that opportunity to live out those words that we heard. To be a light. To live good. To show the life-giving message of the living God. You see, in Leslie Mannering's words, evangelism is every church member's business. Or to quote another Leslie, Bishop Leslie Newbigin, the primary act of the church in the world is the action of its members in their daily work. So if the plough, if you like, represented the farmer's front line, I wonder what object would we use? What image might we use to reflect ours? I wonder what it might be. Maybe it might be a chair or it might be a sofa because we might interact most with people who don't know Jesus in our homes. Maybe if we work, it might be a computer. Maybe it might be a school book. Maybe it might be a set of keys. Maybe it might be a camera or an instrument. But maybe God would start to reveal to you now what that image would be. And to close with what I'd like us to do is to kind of do something similar to what I would have done at the service this morning at St. George's. Was I would have dedicated the plough to God. And what we're going to do together is actually dedicate our own front lines to God. If you like to commit at the start of this new year and to commission each one of us to our work for God in the presence of one another. It's actually a deeply subversive act because we live in a world today that tries to influence us, that tries to dictate to us almost through its algorithms or systems, through its high-tech or nanotechnologies, even through its human strength or human ingenuity even through vaccines and boosters, how we should live. But actually, it's a way of doing something that exercises faith by ploughing a different furrow, by living good, by declaring our dependence upon the living God. So shall we stand together? And we've got some, some words that we're, we're going to use. The kind of the heavier type ones are words that we say together, first of all. So we pray together. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of this community. We commend one another to you on our different front lines. Wherever we are, whatever we do, Whoever we are, may the Holy Spirit guide us in all things so that we may do God's will in our world in the service of Jesus Christ and with great joy. 
Amen. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, will you embrace your front lines as places of possibility and potential in the purposes of God? Will you believe that God is already at work in these places and will give you yourself unreservedly to his purposes in you and through you, whoever you are? We say together, with the help of God, we will. Will you trust God with the big things and the small things that you do day by day and seek to make all that you do on your front lines as part of your worship to him? Will you learn to rely on him, his power, his love and his grace, whatever you do? With the help of God, we will. As sons and daughters of your heavenly father, will you believe that your value your worth, your significance and your life on the front line flow first from this identity. Will you embrace the joy and freedom of being a child of God, whoever you are? With the help of God, we will. As the body of Christ, will you commit to encouraging and helping one another, flourish in Christ and be fruitful on your front lines? Will you learn to be people of God gathered and scattered, helping one another to make all the difference in the world? With the help of God, we will. We affirm your call to follow Christ in all of life, including life on your front line, and commission you to this life and work and pledge to you our prayers, encouragement and support. And so may the Holy Spirit guide and strengthen you that in this and in all things you will know Christ and seek to make him known to the glory of God the Father. We say together, we rejoice in being followers of Jesus sent from this church into God's world for his purposes.